All right, and welcome back to your favorite place in the airspace for all things language, communication, and culture. As always, I'm your host, Bree, and today on Global Views, we are actually going to talk about another holiday uh, that is coming up shortly. It's not necessarily a traditional holiday with a lot of celebration, but it is a holiday that was put on by the United Nations. Um, it was adopted in 2001 under the Universal Declaration of Cultural Diversity. So today, this Friday, uh, May 22nd, 2021 is, in fact, UN Culture Diversity for Dialogue and Development Day. Uh, now that's shortened in a lot of places to just uh, Cultural Diversity Day. So there are cities all around the world that celebrate this day. Um, there is actually one pinpointed city in America I found that does something specifically for Cultural Diversity Day, and that is Rochester, Minnesota. It looks like they have a little parade, uh, which we found on the radar of places that kind of celebrate this day online. So shout out to Rochester, Minnesota in the United States, where we are at. Um, for holding it down on our front for cultural diversity. But, of course, we want to talk about this topic because so much of this podcast has to do with culture, exploring culture. Uh, Global Views always seeks to be a good place of information um, from all parts of the world, uh, from the West, from the East, North, South, wherever it is that you are. We love to be um, explorers and disseminators of information regarding culture. So, what exactly does the UN World Day for Cultural Diversity do? What is the purpose? Uh, there's a couple key points that are kind of outlined on their page. Um, one of them is it provides an opportunity to deepen our understanding of the values of cultural diversity and advance the four goals adopted on 10-20-2005. And we'll talk about some of the goals that the United Nations has in terms of cultural diversity in a moment here. Um, but so it is a point of reflection for for understanding why cultural diversity is so valuable. So that's going to be a lot of what we talk about today. Um, a, a second point is to support sustainable systems of governance for culture. Uh, so there is a lot of talk in this policy resolution where this holiday was adopted um, about policy enforcing cultural diversity, not enforcing necessarily um, in a negative or a punishment way, but I'm definitely supporting the flourishment of, cult of cultural diversity in our local, um, state, national, and global areas. And then the last two goals of this holiday um, are to integrate culture in a sustainable development framework or in multiple su uh, sustainable development frameworks and to promote human rights and fundamental freedoms. And a lot of this is talked about in the articles of the resolution. And so what we're going to do today is kind of take a look at this document uh, because I can't think of a better framework, well, maybe not a better, but a more notable framework to work off of um, for our understanding of culture and cultural diversity than the United Nations of the world, the United Nations Council uh, that came up with this. I think it's definitely good information to have in our back pocket, good information to consider when we are discussing culture. Now on their website, the United Nations has a couple things um, specifically for 2020-2021. They talk about the COVID impact on cultural sites and cultural communities during COVID. Um, they talk about the way that 
COVID has kept a lot of us from interacting with our own cultures and certainly other cultures this year uh, that, you know, we haven't had access necessarily to things like uh, museums or cinema or art shows or concerts. Um, so many of the things or large gatherings, meeting new people, uh, so many of the things that contribute to not just our cultural competency, but our own experience of our own culture. Uh, and so we do have a couple ways that you can celebrate the UN Cultural Diversity Day. If you would like, um, there are so many ways to engross yourself in culture. You can plan a trip to one of those museums, uh, plan an international movie night, watch some really great subtitled cinema, um, find some traditional recipes to cook on uh, online or in a, in a cookbook from a friend to cook with your friends and family. Uh, there are so many great things, uh, even small things that you don't necessarily have to think, oh, I didn't plan anything for today. So many small ways that you can interact with culture today, mindfully and intentionally. Now, they also note that this day of recognition and this day of kind of talking about the, the development and the strategies of cultural diversity uh, is important. And um, some of the reasons that they list are because three-fourths of global conflict that exists today include a cultural dimension. Um, so there is, as we know, a lot of conflict that happens in the world today. And three-fourths of that, according to the United Nations, includes a cultural dimension. Uh, now, we won't get into the breadth of it on this podcast but there we know that there that this is true we have evidence that this is true there's a very very significant um, conflict taking place in the Middle East right now uh, between Israel and Palestine and that has culture very heavily centered on both ends of it uh, and so we we can definitely conclude that culture um, you know, when when handled a certain way or when approached a certain way can definitely be um, a, something that will induce conflict. Culture is something that people feel very strongly about, very connected to. Culture means a lot to a lot of people. Uh, so it is urgent and necessary, they see, for peace, prosperity, and stability um, to you know, kind of embrace these concepts of cultural diversity and support the systems that they're talking about here. Uh, so let's get into these articles. Let's find out what the UN really resolved about culture across the globe, just the truths about it, how we're meant to interact with it, how they feel we should handle it, um, and what they recommend really for cultural diversity. So these articles start off and they all kind of feed into one another, which I think is going to be really good for this discussion. So the first one um, essentially resolves that cultural diversity is, quote, the heritage of humanity. And it defines culture as necessary to human development as biodiversity is to nature. And I love that statement. It's such a strong statement. It's such a great comparison. Uh, I actually want to read it again for you guys. So the article one defines culture as being as necessary to human development as biodiversity is to nature or the development of the natural world. Um, and so article one essentially spells out this definition and says it needs to be acknowledged and supported, uh, that is cultural diversity, for the benefit of future generations. So we have a lot of things to explore here. Um, how is culture as necessary as biodiversity? Uh, and how does it benefit these future generations? So a couple of questions to keep in mind as we keep going through here. 
Now, Article 2 kind of continues on and moves from a discussion of cultural diversity to cultural pluralism. Um, So, going from diversity to pluralism, it's important to make sure, this is Article 2, it's important to make sure that there is harmonious interaction between people from different cultures or people of multiple or varying cultural identities. You know, we can have people who um, identify as uh, multiple, with multiple cultures. Uh, we have cultures that can compound on top of each other. Um, for example, the, the culture of your area, the culture of your religion, the culture of your state, the culture of your geographic location, uh, the culture of your family. There are so many cultures that can compound upon each other. And so they acknowledge that here and say uh, that harmonious interaction between people from different cultures, but also varying or multiple cultures is so important. Um, And it does express, Article 2 expresses that policy to ensure inclusion and participation of different cultures in all all sectors uh, will promote cultural exchange and give way to innovation, creativity, peace, uh, so on and so forth, um, and that the vitality of civil society and public life depends on it. So we know that much of human survival throughout history has been based on things like innovation and creativity and the way in which cultural pluralism, which is when multiple cultures can be in proximity to each other, can be near to each other in a harmonious way, like we said, those kind of interactions, those dynamics and that cultural diversity gives way to that innovation, to that creativity, like it says here, that the vitality or the survival of public life, of communal life depends on. Article 3 goes on to expound on this idea and pretty much um, as a summary says that cultural diversity is a huge factor for development. Now, why is that? They give us a little bit of an option. Um, Cultural diversity widens a range of options for satisfactory life. Now, how does it do that? Well, the thought process is essentially that when you introduce different cultures, when you accept different cultures into a communal geographic location, so if a country or a state or a a neighborhood even begins to accept different cultures, different cultures obviously bring different ideas, different perspectives, uh, different ways of being. And so where, and we talked a little bit about this, actually, if you listen to our uh, time travel podcast, we talk about the attitudes of time in different culture and how sometimes your own cultural sense of time, the, the sense of time or the relationship to time that everyone has around you doesn't necessarily fit your own personal relationship with time. Um, they can be a little bit... Um, out of sync with one another but the suggestion in that podcast or what the idea I suggested was perhaps there's another area of the world that jives a little bit better with your circadian rhythm with your pace of life Uh, and so we talked about that but that like I said that's one of the reasons why quality of life improves with cultural diversity and cultural pluralism is those new ideas get introduced and then we all have the option of embracing those features of those cultures that improve our quality of life uh, when they're not stigmatized when you know they're they're not uh, discriminated against when they're not looked down on we have the option to embrace them and overall improve our quality of life um, so when everyone gets the chance to kind of um, 
I don't want to say select and make it sound trivial, but but be exposed to and, and embrace different ways of thinking and different ideas. And everyone can kind of do that for themselves. Um, then obviously, you know, people become a lot happier when when there's so many different options for ways of being or for existing um, within a community. Um, there's a lot more chance for for people to lead a life that is satisfactory for them. Now, Article 4 goes on to kind of uh, enforce that policy-wise and say that human rights are guarantees of cultural diversity and that no one can use cultural diversity to limit someone's human rights or to limit the scope of their human rights. Um, So, Article 4 kind of enforces uh, Article 3 in terms of making sure that cultural diversity is supported so that people have those options so that those different cultures can interact with uh, one another. Now, a great article, um, a a great example of the principle of Article 4 would be something uh, like what we have in America, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, making, uh, you know, not that that was the total encapsulating step, but that's a big step in saying that no cultural diversity cannot limit someone's human rights um, or the scope of the realm in which those rights exist. So, no, you can't have rights in the North now that you don't have in the South. Um, you know, the, your scope of rights and what they are is unchangeable, um, and it is not based on cultural diversity, um, but it is guaranteed to cultural diversity. Now, this train of thought continues in Article 5, which simply states that cultural rights enable cultural diversity, um, and it specifically talks about people having, therefore, the right to express themselves and to create or to distribute work in the language of their choice, but also particularly in their mother tongue. Now, this is something else that we're super passionate about at Global. We've done a couple episodes on language death, um, you know, dying languages, rare languages, um, and languages that are thriving. What makes a language die? What makes a language continue? Um, And one of those things is policy and obviously implementation. So this encouragement to um, create and distribute work um, or goods, you know, the things that make up culture in the language of one's choice, but also in particularly their mother tongue, um, are super important to the linguistic world. They're important to preserving those languages that are incredibly valuable, but dying um, with, you know, these these mass language movements. Um And then Article 5 also goes on to say that all are entitled to quality education and training that fully respect their cultural identity. Now, I would be curious to ask around the world in different countries, especially countries that um, participate in the United Nations and find how where, you know, citizens feel that they have received an education or training that truly fully respects their cultural identity. I think that would be quite a range of conversation to have. Maybe we'll do it on the podcast soon. Article 6 continues on uh, with that idea of free expression and says that the free flow of ideas and images should be exercised so all cultures can express themselves. Uh, And it lists these things as guarantees of cultural diversity. Those are freedom of expression, media pluralism, multilingualism, access to art, 
scientific and technical knowledges including digital and that's equal access to those things so those are the things that we want to uh, make sure are guarantees of cultural diversity or that are guaranteed to us through the uh, exercising and supporting of cultural diversity um, and the goal is that all cultures can express themselves um, and the reason we want all cultures to be able to express themselves obviously we've talked about the quality of life uh, we've talked about innovation we've talked about creativity we've talked about all of those things um, but article 7 goes on to state that heritage in all forms must be preserved enhanced and handed on to future generations to foster creativity and inspire genuine dialogue across cultures and why is that because creation flourishes when cultures come in contact in a respectful way so there's a huge emphasis um, on thinking ahead here where you know we're thinking about preserving our heritage um, so you know honoring the past that has been handed to us to make sure that we can hand it on um, so that you know we have that basis for innovation we have that basis for creativity I mean I know there's a, a lot of movements kind of around this area that are happening uh, we talk about how much knowledge to humanity was lost at the burning of the Library of Alexandria I'm sorry if that's a sore subject for you because I know it is for me um, but you know you, you hear stories about great amounts of knowledge being lost in things like this and so this is exactly, Article 7 is exactly what um, seeks to combat that. And it says that, you know, creation flourishes when cultures come into contact. So we need to make sure that we preserve these cultures so that they have the chance to continue coming into positive contact throughout the generations. So for the survival of humanity, essentially. Now, these next several articles all kind of have to do with the intersection of the economy and culture. Um, so Article 8 says, in the tech age especially, um, we need to pay special attention uh, to the diversity of creative work. Um, so essentially, I, I would say the argument there is that if we have technology now that makes the in all, virtually the entire world accessible, uh, which we do. I mean, things like social media, unless you're in a very, very remote area um, of, I would say, a developing country, but even in developing countries, there there is access to technology, not as great and not as widespread um, and not with as great of an infrastructure or um, a grid system, probably, but uh, there definitely is technology in developing countries. And so since we have access to so much of the world, um, I think there is a duty to make sure that the world is truly represented as the world, which is where this attention to the diversity of creative work happens because it's so, so easy to, um, to let one culture or a, cu a handful of cultures um, that have been at the forefront continue to be at the forefront when in reality we have access to so much more of the world now from the comfort of our homes. So the diversity of creative work we need to pay special attention to, but also the recognition of the rights of authors and artists and to cultural goods and services, um, which are significant points of cultural identity and therefore should not be treated as mere commodities or consumer goods. Um, all of these fantastic points. Um, so when we talk about the recognition of rights of authors and artists, that is the right, um, essentially kind of going back to Article 5, um, going back to the right of artists and authors to produce in the language that 
they want to to incorporate their cultures um, to take charge of their narratives of you know especially the culture they come from and their interaction with it um, so to really respect those creative rights and then moving on to the cultural goods and services, I think this is where so much, we can talk so much of, of the conversation um, on cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation because it says, you know, cultural goods and services, which are significant points of cultural identity and therefore should not be treated as mere commodities or consumer goods. Um, so we cannot... We cannot, you know, consume and brand and sell and package, um, you know, cultural practices um, or significant cultural items the way we do a pack of gum. Um, Article 8 kind of points that out as as disrespectful um, or definitely suggests that there is a different level of treatment that those commodities deserve. Now, Article 9 kind of continues on to say cultural policies must uh, be conducive to the production and dissemination of diversified cultural goods and services. It specifically states that um, states have a responsibility to define their own cultural policies and implement it through the means that they see correct. And there's a couple examples I can think of to do this. Um, one of the most prominent ones that you can find the most places, I think, is um, a, a lot of places you can actually get a tax break for purchasing from specific stores uh, or working with specific companies if they're minority or women uh, owned. And other examples would be uh, legal, exception, legal exemptions for cultural practices, um, for example, a lot of different denominations of the Christian faith um, participate in something called communion, where you take a small sip of wine. Um, now, children participate in this. No one is really drinking. No one's, you know, getting children intoxicated. But children do participate in this because it's a religious tradition. It's not prosecuted under United States law, even though drinking under 21 is illegal. Communion, because religion also has its own culture. Each religion has a culture within it. Um, communion is an example of a cultural practice um, that has been protected by this policy that this article is talking about. So economic benefits, legal protections, um, things like this really can work to institute and sustain culture as we know it. Um, another example is, you know, a house receiving historical landmark um, status or, or things like that to prevent it from being, you know, deconstructed so that we have things like that architecture, um, that influence to look back on and gain understanding about our own society from. And Article 10 talks about um, inequality of goods distribution and cultural exchange at a global level. Um, so it, Article 10 says it's necessary to have international cooperation and solidarity to enable all countries, including developing um, or transitioning countries, to establish cultural industries that are viable and competitive at a national and international level. Now, putting this one in more visual terms kind of helped me to understand um, so let's imagine the world as a free market or the uh, cultural commodity industry as a flea market. Um, so we are talking about all cultures, you know, um, and what they have to offer us, what they have to offer to the international market. Uh, now, this article is essentially saying that in order to have 
true equality of cultural exchange to order, which would essentially um, mean to have the most cultural diversity we can in order to be as diverse as we can everyone has to have an equal seat at the table so if the world is a flea market um, everyone has to have a stall um, you know we can't leave people out in the hallway um, we can't say you know everyone gets a stall except for these last 16 people they're going to share a corner of the room and they have to pick five things between the 16 of them that they can bring uh, and they can show us um, so this says that through international solidarity um, and international, you know, cultural appreciation and cooperation, we need to make sure that everybody kind of has equitable footing in this sphere to truly be able to have cultural diversity. And lastly, it says that public policy, the private sector, and civil society must reaffirm those values to promote and preserve diversity. So we kind of have an answer for ourselves here. Um, to wrap it up, it kind of is letting people uh, fully embrace their own cultures, um, promoting policy that supports the equal representation of all cultures, uh, because as we know from the beginning of our discussion, um, the expression of multiple cultures doesn't just benefit those who are free to express. It, it, it also benefits those who are free to listen, um, free to hear, free to understand, free to experience for the first time. Um, it can greatly benefit everyone when we support cultural expression and cultural diversity. So policymaking, um, ensuring fair and and culturally respecting um, education and training, making sure that the creativity market remains diverse. Um, all of these things are, are things that we can do to help promote cultural diversity in our neighborhoods, in our own lives, and in our world. So based on these 12 articles, um, UNESCO, which is the UN Council that came up with this resolution, um, kind of laid out their their goals, their role in this, what they would like to do. And here, I'll give you a couple of them. Um, so UNESCO, the, the body, like I said, that adopted World Day for Cultural Diversity and adopted these articles, um, their role or their goal in this is to serve as a reference point for conversations surrounding issues of cultural diversity, um, to pursue activities, to set standards, raise awareness, and increase um, states' capacity for cultural diversity. And lastly, to facilitate the implementation of their action plan. Now, their action plan has a lot to do with measures that they want to take for cultural diversity. Um, there's a lot of them. You can read them online. We'll link them on our Facebook and our social media. We'll link you to the page with the articles. Uh, but a couple of them, for example, are things like linguistic diversity, um, digital literacy, equal access to education, and things of that sort. So, that is... All we have for today on World Cultural Diversity Day here at Global Views. Uh, I hope you do something to celebrate. I hope you get to read a book, um, see a movie, like I said, go to a museum, um, get together with some friends and hear about their cultural experiences. Uh, whatever it is you do, um, I hope you pause for a moment to recognize the wonder it is that we have in culture and the blessing we have to experience the culture of others around us. Um, so... 
that is what we've got for today. Happy, happy cultural holiday. Uh, if you enjoyed this, feel free to find us on our social media. We are the Global Views podcast on Facebook, and we are the Global View show on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a follow. Give us a like. We love to interact with you guys. We love to hear from you guys. So if you enjoyed the show today, be sure to find us elsewhere on the web, and we will see you next week.